You're listening to the Commercial Appeal Podcast, an examination of the world's most interesting music. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Commercial Appeal, the podcast where we try to examine the world's most interesting music. In today's inaugural episode, we go over formal introductions, we'll discuss what exactly is Commercial Appeal, and most importantly, why you may and or should listen to this podcast. Joining me, I'm Blake, your host, your moderator, and joining me is my ever-present commentator, color commentator, Chris Morell. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for the uh, warm introduction, Blake. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, Chris, we just heard one of my kind of new favorite tracks, uh, J-Boy by Phoenix. Um, thoughts on that track before we get into the nuts and bolts of this show? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see Phoenix just, you know, when I found out they were making new music. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan from back in the day on some of their earlier records, obviously, Um Wolfgang Amadeus was an amazing album. I like, I think this song is moving in the right direction for them. It's kind of a hybrid of some of their early work and later work. Um, yeah, dig it. Now, you didn't like Bankrupt, it sounds like, though. I wasn't a huge fan of Bankrupt. Um, I found it, I think their strength, Phoenix specifically, has always been this sort of, their first couple records was, was very mellow. I know they got compared to bands like a little bit of to bands like like ambient rock like air mm-hmm. um but i what, what i liked is they when they piece in wolfgang amadeus they really went to this pop sensibility to this kind of indie pop but maintaining some of that like laid-back feel i thought bankrupt was it was a, it was a decent record just not one of my favorites yeah okay yeah i i i think that album really lost steam after that instrumental i think it's track five or six but i really liked the first half or side a if you will in the cassette days i really dig i dug side a of bankrupt um but i think wolfgang amadeus is still their uh, uh certainly their um their masterpiece at least today so yeah fun song i think i dig it as well i think we talked about this um you know offline where it's one of those songs where you listen to it once and you're like, eh, it's good. It's not dis- it's not displeasing in any way. And then you put it on again. You're like, wow, this is really getting me going here. It's really making me move. So I think it's moved from, you know, at first like a three out of five stars track to probably four, closer to four stars for me now. So hope you guys enjoyed that track. And and Chris and I will try. We'll have some rotating guests in the podcast, but we'll try to drop you know songs that we think you should hear, or we enjoy, or we think you should consider. Um, from all genres, all varieties, and uh, that'll certainly be part of this show. Now, why did we start this podcast? Chris, as you know, but the listeners may not know, I'm on the wrong side of 35. (laughs) I I live in suburbia. Um, I've got a family, but music has been a big part of my life. I consider myself, at least at one point, an amateur musician. I've created and recorded a lot of my own stuff. Um, none of it is commercially appealing as the stuff we're going to talk, talk about on this show. However, Chris, I found it hard in recent years, um, especially getting busy with family and work, to, to actually have intelligent discussions 
about new music, about music in general. It just seems like I've increasingly encountered music apathy, if you will, as, you know, as the older I've gotten. So that is, for me, the personal reason why I started this podcast. Chris, have you experienced something similar in your own life? Yeah, I can definitely side with you on that one. I sympathize. I'm on the other. I'm I'm on that wrong side of thirty as well. Um, and I think, you know, as a as a relatively new parent, I I, I don't want to generalize, but I think most parents, as they get to this age, uh, have that same type of uh, problem: is that you don't have enough time for music discovery. Maybe you don't even have enough time to actually like dedicate to listening to music and getting your brain in that exploratory mode. I know that's been a problem problem for me. I like to zone out on podcasts. Um, so, and I think you go to less concerts because you, you know, you're sleeping less, you can't afford to be out till 12, one in the morning. Um, so I think it gets put on the back burner. I mean, Blake, I don't know about you, but I try to make a point every Friday to at least listen to a couple of the, of the new albums of the week, just because I feel like I'm going to, like, I don't feel like I'm too far away from the kids, man. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, again, I want to generalize, but I feel like a lot of people go through this. So you just got to dedicate time to discovery and where do you discover? I think that's a good point. I think for me, I don't, I'm impressed with your loyalty and trying to consume that amount of new music each week. I certainly don't set like a quota. I kind of take the approach of I'm going to let the cream rise to the crop and I'll, I'll let, you know, crowdsourcing, if you will, or the masses kind of percolate the really, really good stuff up to the top, and then I'll just cherry pick it off of pop radio that I listen to with my family or friends kind of constantly referring to stuff. So for me, I approach music if, if, if I'm feeling, you know, like my back catalog of who knows how big, you know, it is, is boring me. That's when I start to seek out or I'm, or in the case of Phoenix, I remember early this year thinking like, Jeez, I, I haven't heard anything from them. I, I, I think I heard a track on Shuffle, and I was like, oh, "What's up with them?" I, I do a quick Google, and then I found out they're coming out with a new, you know, album. And that's kind of how I, I guess I'm more uh, flighty, if you will, with my music discovery. But um, yeah, I it's uh, why for, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but it, to me, it's like, what's wrong with you guys? Why don't you want to listen to music anymore? Especially with people that I knew it was a big part of their life before. Why, why does it seem that interest in music kind of wanes when you, when you hit act two of your life? <laughs> That's a really good question. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to speculate to have the, uh, the, all the answers here. Um, I think for me personally, some of it just comes down to, as I get a little older, um, I'm, I, I I'm fascinated by podcasts and I think it's an extension of, I, I don't have enough, I haven't had enough time to dedicate to reading, but I think when you get older, you have this yearning for information mm-hmm. and I love, you know, I think that th- those things take over in my life and, and sort of, I don't have that same drive to just get in the cerebral space to listen to new music. And I think it's, it's hard. Like when you're young, you know, you're carefree, right? Like music is sort of the soundtrack, you know, it sounds cliche, but the soundtrack to your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And like you're searching for these experiences that are kind of guided. You're having these experiences guided by music and you put yourself in the space and you're going to concerts. You're staying out late. You don't care if you're, you know, wake up at at noon the next day. Um, I find it very difficult for myself to get in the headspace that, that sort of, you know, the feeling when you get chills discovering like uh, a change, you know, some chord changes 
changes in a track that give you chills. Like it's really hard to find that as you get older. I don't know why exactly, but that's why I'd spec. That's why I speculate. Yeah, I mean, I just I have friends, old bandmates that even don't you know don't. It's just I guess it's just not high on their priority list. I totally respect that. Different strokes for different folks, and even different seasons for different interests of life. But um, anyway, that's why Chris and I are here. It's still a big part of our lives. And if you're listening to this show, hopefully, and I trust that it's a big part of your life. So we're excited to kick this show off and discuss uh, all things music, all things pop music, all things classical music, rock music, rap, whatever. Chris and I both have a broad, um, a broad uh, taste in music, and uh, we plan to explore it and figure out what makes the best and what makes some music more universal than others. Starting with, and I want to give a quick shout out to our uh, unmiked producer, Wilson, there in the corner. Chris, say hi to Wilson over there. Wilson! <laughs> What's up? Good to have you. Um, uh, so, Chris, I want to talk Obviously, we named this podcast the Commercial Appeal Podcast, and we've talked about this a little offline as we were preparing for the show, um, but I want to know um, from your perspective first, why, wh- how do you, how do you, how would you define com- this quote-unquote commercial appeal and or commercial music? Uh, that's a loaded question, Blake. You just put me put me on the spot right uh, right from the get go. There's no wrong uh, answer, Chris. There's no there's no no. I won't judge. There's no judgment here. This is a this the, is a safe zone. By the way, I just want to clarify for listeners out there: Wilson is not a volleyball. Wilson is an actual person, right? He is. So, right. Yeah, I can so. see him. He's got a great mustache, Wilson. <laughs> I mean, I, if if this was a video podcast like some of the young whippersnappers are doing on YouTube, you could totally see Wilson in our production booth. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I I, I think um, that's a really loaded question. I think there's a you know there's hundreds of different answers or speculation you could come up with. Um, I think. It's like this. It it it, it can't really be. Um, it can't be explained in sort of a formulaic like approach. I think um, even though like I think a lot of radio pop music has like very specific formulas that they tend to follow, especially for you know for pop. Um, but I think it's sort of this combination of um, of familiar familiarity uh, and like the X factor of personality. And I think um, it, it also like, it, it really has to be approachable for people. And I know we talked offline a, a bit about country music, which I think we should get into a little bit more as, as someone who's admittedly not a huge country music fan. Um, but like, if you sit and think about why is someone like Ed Sheeran or Taylor Swift populating, you know, the the charts consistently, I think it's it's this, okay, they have kind of formulas in their music, but they also have like this, X factor that, you know, what, whatever it's the vocal inflection, the tone in their voice, the, the lyrics that people can really connect to. Um, I think that's what people latch onto. And I think, but there's always that sort of unknown as why didn't something really become commercially popular or have that commercial appeal. And sometimes you just can't really figure it out. Can you give me an example of someone that you feel like just, you're like, I don't know why, why more people didn't dig this sound. Yeah, um, you know, there's uh, there's probably a lot of examples. I think um, a couple good ones. I- I'll give you an example, like that's I think everybody can relate to, which is the Arcade Fire. Um, mm-hmm. 
this i mean arcade fire is like the definition of an indie band right like uh, from everything that they do in their music to the, the experimentational approach to um you know being sort of an underground type of band um i think it's really like if you if you kind of go and look back at their really their first breakout record um you're like how did this band ever become commercially appealing and now like you see them at festivals like their tracks are often on the you know sometimes on the radio mm-hmm. that like blows my mind i can't explain how it happened other than the fact that their music's just really amazing um it's different it's it's it it rings like the their lyrics ring true it's they're very current um that themes that people can relate to but i think a, a better example of probably a band that most people haven't heard of uh called jellyfish which was like these guys were like critical darlings of power pop in the sort of uh, right around the, the the grunge period when grudge was starting to explode in the early to mid 90s um so you had like you know their nirvanas and the green days and crowded market back then Chris, you there? I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there you are. Okay. He's back, everyone. Okay. So <laughs> I was saying it was a crowded marketplace when Jellyfish dropped on the scene. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it was. And I think they were, they were so, cri- they were critical darlings. And I think there was like this, like, why, why are they not? They, they're like the, the indie rock queen, right? Like, mm-hmm. but you can't figure out why they they didn't quite break through and then one of their guitar players went off Jason Faulkner went off with he's one of my favorite solo artists and I, he never quite made it beyond just like the underground uh community and then I'm just not sure why I think the music just isn't as approachable and um it, people can't connect with it quite as easy I, I think okay now Chris truth be told you shared jellyfish with me I think I remember hearing about him but I was way too big of a of a Cobain fan to like care about <laughs> a rising star or to give or to give someone new a chance. Um, but my opinion, you know, looking back with twenty twenty vision and listening to some of their songs, you hear it. I, I hear. I, I, you sent me a couple tracks specifically. I, which ones? I can't even remember which ones you sent. But some of their some of their more you know commercially appealing ones if you will and i think my biggest critique is that that singer just didn't have a very interesting voice he was hitting the notes it wasn't pitchy he was on you know he was in tune by so to speak but it just wasn't he didn't have that i think very distinct interesting vocal flair that i would argue gives a lot of at least singers an it factor if you will or, or that's it's it's this audible hook that kind of I've, my ears never heard that before. I want to listen more to the sound that's coming out of that guy's voice. What are, what are your thoughts on that? The, the singer, he was totally competent, but maybe didn't have that that it factor to his voice. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you on that front. I think, uh, and I can see that, um, kind of looking back at some of that music. Um, it's funny, I was reading a piece about uh, the new Ryan Adams al- uh, album, um, and I can't remember exactly. I think it was in like the AV Club uh, music section, and talking about. And I'm I'm blanking on the name. It's a more underground country artist that doesn't get as much radio play, mm-hmm. saying that his songs are just you know just better crafted, more emotional, more relatable than Ryan Adams. Um, catalog and and work and why does why did ryan become so big and a guy like this just hasn't quite broken through yet and i think the answer is exactly what you just described there's 
there are all these intricacies within voc- within singing and voice and song structure that aren't really easy to sort of like, you know, you can't you can't define them. Like the inflection in the voice, the the weird like the 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 Taylor Swift like giggles in in you know in in verses like Breathy you can't laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that stuff is not everybody can do that and when it's done right. You know, and I think like the just the the raw emotion is something that often doesn't come out as just you know in when you're thinking about pure songcraft. Um, so yeah, I think I think to me that's it. It's it's funny um, and stop me if you want to jump in here, but uh, I always think I'm, I'm a big fan of the voice. I, I try I haven't kept up as much this season, but I've watched mm-hmm. most seasons, and you know I watched some of American Idol in the past, and uh, my love hate relationships <laughs> with these shows come <laughs> out. But um, you know I'm not a huge fan of hers, but Gwen Stefani always talks about that emotional emotional connection to music and she always focuses on like you know you have to sell that i know j-lo on like american idol would talk about this and it seems really silly and sometimes i'll be like why are you saying that again um because that person's not a great singer but there is something that i think yeah the general audience relates to when they hear something on the radio that they have to connect emotionally to the music well like who was no who was that can't remember the British lady. She looked super nerdy, but she had a great voice, and I think that really connected emotionally to everyone. What was her name? Susan something. Do you remember that lady? It was. Oh on- yeah, that was on. Uh, that was on the. Uh- uh, what's his name's British show? Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, she had great pipes, she, and and I think for most people, the really strong emotional connection was, wow, anybody can sing. I don't have to look like a celebrity to be able to sing. So even though that woman obviously hasn't gone on to, at least not that I'm aware of, have like a huge musical career, that emotional connection reached millions of people that week. If not dozens, you know, tens of millions of people. Yeah, Susan Boyle. Yeah. Susan Boyle from uh, Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think she went and did a couple Christmas albums. I'm sure she's had success, and I hope she is. But at the same time, I, I, I would almost argue that her emotional appeal was in her outward appearance. You know, if, if you stuck that voice on a good-looking blonde chick, I, she's not going to do near as well as she did. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, I, I just think it's weird with these singing shows, and that's probably a whole other tangent, um, because it gives – I think it it often – it it brings out the you know the differences uh like physically in people right like that's that's the whole point of the voice is you can't get swayed by what they look like mm-hmm. um you can only hear the voice but then you know obviously once the first round is over you get to see what someone looks like and that becomes just the whole kind of emotional musical package yeah um, yeah i think i think for me i used to watch those shows specifically the voice for the first few seasons I mean, what season are they on now? Eight or nine or ten now? Yeah, and they do they do two seasons, I believe two seasons yeah. a year now, so they rotate judges. So here's my thought on that show and on why I lost interest after a little while is I think what those shows prove is that there are tons of competent musicians, if not competent amateur musicians, if not competent singers out there. And I think for me as an avid listener – I don't want competence. I want something more. Not only that emotional c- connection, I want that audible distinction where, wow, this guy, yeah, he, 
you know, he's singing about the same themes of love and heartache and loss and trying to make his way in the world. And he's, he's trying to prove himself. And I admire that. And I remember what that felt like in my twenties, but he also does it with a, he or she does it with a voice or a, uh, you know, a, a guitar flare or a drumming that just is just, it's a little, off, not even off. It's just, it's, it's, it's a slightly new and it makes music exciting and, uh, you know, inspiring and, and I don't know, it makes you feel like the world's in good hands again. So that's what I'm after. And I think that's why I quit listening to some of those, those shows that the vast majority, I think you could argue it's, they're kind of being prodded out like elephants at a circus, you know, and yeah. none of them are really going to go very few. I mean, the vast minority are going to actually go on to music, musical success. Um, so well, obviously they're, again, I think this is a good point where, uh, yeah, they're certainly competent, but they don't have that commercial appeal to reach just millions and masses of people like like most of the artists we all, we we commonly love and share. Yeah, and, and I think frequently. I think there's one um, aspect that we probably haven't hit on, and I think you know it's worth noting like music moves in eras, right? And music is a reflection of our current state of culture and the world and yeah. all of our sort of environmental you know surroundings and environment. Um, so I think that's a big piece is that so much of what you expect and what you relate to is in music is a reflection of what's going on, you know, in, in, in the world, in the external environment, in the news, themes, politics, um, and experimentation too. So if you're, you know, it, it's amazing that bands like, you know, the Beatles are the ultimate example. Like if you, if you put on Abbey Road and like pick any random track today, you know, with the exception of some of, you know, maybe some of the themes, like it's that stuff still rings true. Like the production is amazing. The lyrics you can still connect to. Same goes for a lot of the stuff that stuff that like the Stones did or even that Elvis did, aside from the production. Um, you can really relate to that stuff, but you have to have that back to, you know, what is appealing and what's commercial appeal. Like you have to be you have to have everything that we previously talked about. You have to have that it factor. You have to have that, that what you were just saying, like that, you know, that extra something. Um, But you also have to be relevant and you have to be pushing boundaries and that doesn't always come across in, in pop, but you can't put, you know, for, for music that we really appreciate and look back on as like, what are the best, you know, albums and songs of the decade? It's stuff that's really relatable to people that they that's going on in the world that, you know, is pushing boundaries. I, I totally agree. And it, you're right that we are a product of our environment, if not decade, if not generation. And I think a good counterpoint or not even a, just an example of that is Chris, I think Bob Dylan is is a really good songwriter. I can't stand his voice, man. And I think the only reason he even had songs where he was actually singing and he found hits was because the hippie movement, man. They were they were like, whatever, man. Sure, we'll take that voice, you know. I think. Yeah. Whereas, I if Bob Dylan came out today and was even using different riffs, there's no way today's scene would let that voice <laughs> on the radio or in the market. That's my personal opinion. I know that's pure conjecture speculation but i just i don't see it happening whereas it makes sense looking back at the 60s why that audience would happily welcome you know a bob dylan singing in, in that raspy kind well, of well he's a, he's a poet right like yeah, he's right I, exactly I think, yeah. I think most people would agree with that i know that you know depending on the time of your life and how someone speaks to you you can look past maybe the voice does sound pleasing to you but you know that it's you know aesthetically like it might not be the best voice out there but sometimes like the 
the poetry and the the song craft comes through and it makes you almost like appreciate a different voice i'm a, i'm the same i'm not a huge um not a huge dylan fan in terms of voice especially as as he got older but if you look into the deeper meanings of his songs like and his craft is pretty amazing yeah no it is okay well i'm curious chris obviously you're right like commercial appeal is obviously loaded or if not subjective where it just you know different music speaks to different people but why why are there some artists or acts or singers or bands that are more universally beloved so there's got to be some kind of formula and or it factor and or emotional connection that allows bands to not only reach like i mean because you've got artists that like indie artists that maybe they can make a living. I know a, I have a friend, uh, a friend of a friend. He lives in L.A. Um, he's a, I hope I'm not offending anyone, but he's a small fry songwriter, and he makes a living enough to support himself. By no means is it living a rock style lifestyle, like not even close. But he'll, he'll live, he'll probably, I mean, he's talented enough to do that for a long time. And yet you have bands like, um, I mean, give me one. That's who's a who's a hot rock act right now. Oh man, you're putting too much pressure on me. Let's um, say, let's say, what's it, dude? Chris Parker for the guy from uh, Tame Impala. Huge. Okay. I, I assume you like them, Chris. I haven't, we haven't talked about them yet. Tame Impala. Yeah, definitely. Huge. I mean, the dude. So they're. I would say. I mean, they're not rock. They're not ACDC status coming out of Australia, but they're having a lot of success. There's got to be something. I, I just and that's what I hope this show can attempt to do, if not come close, of identifying what are those what are those key ingredients to make to make not only good music but like great universally beloved music. And again, you're going to have haters, you're going to have people on the fringes that don't like it. But what is it that makes that that group that act you know reach or catch a hell of a lot more fish? than a more, you know, minor, small fry or independent type artist? Well, it's a really good question. And uh, I, I, I think we should talk about country music because I think it's really, this is this is a really good example of this. And um, being someone who's not like, look, I like classic country, but I'm not a radio country fan. And I think, you know, I live here in the Bay Area and I lived in San Francisco for a long time. And there's this like anti-country thing with a lot of, you know, like the indie crowd. I think, I think in the Bay Area, Chris, there's an anti-pop music thing almost like the more... <laughs> The more unknown your song, there's kind of like this kind of modern punk thing going on, I think, at yeah. least with that but, scene where the fewer people that listen to it, the better the music is, which I can't relate to at all, dude. I'm going to be honest. Like, I think I in general, in general, that, but, you know, to your point, like, there's people, usually there's people that love country music, and then there's everyone else who, who says they hate country music. Um and so the question is, why is country so universally popular? And it's funny, one of my one of my favorite writers, Chuck Klosterman, he used to be a uh, music critic. He wrote for Spin and a bunch of other magazines back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think, is his book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. He's a great writer. He writes like I've kind read of, his stuff. Yeah, he yeah, is good. Writes, he, essay format, um, and he said that country is popular because its lyrics are literal and speaks to scores of people. And I remember him. I don't have the exact quote, but something about country is one of the like, you know, most honest is the genres of music out there. And he's got a point, you know, it's like, 
the music, the words can, you know, the lyrics can be literal. The song craft can be a little bit, you know, structured, um, in the same way from time to time and vocal, like, you know, low, low voice, um, like country singers for dudes. Um, but like there's these people and I think he said the most wretched people in the world are those who tell you they like every kind of music except country, which I have had friends that say that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and but it, I mean, it's like, why does that music speak to people? Well, it's literal. They can relate to it. And maybe it's just as simple as that. It's got a you know, it's got a good beat and, you know, someone's got a good voice and, you know, it's got it's, it's got a good song structure. Like, is it is it, maybe it's just that simple? Yeah, I think. And it's funny you say that because I probably I would I would ch- well ask me that question, like what kind of music you like? I would probably five years ago, I would have said or maybe 10 years like. Everything but country and industrial, not named Nine Inch Nails. I can't stand industrial <laughs> music that doesn't have Trent Reznor involved in it. It's absolutely horrible. Okay, I'll put that out there. But I, but to to speak to that country aspect, I was like, this doesn't make sense. You don't reach this many people with it being, you know, totally worthless. So I went, I dug up, you know, I started with Hank Wims, aka the original gangster of country. I can't believe I just did that, but I did. He's the OG of country and he's amazing. And I worked my way up and there's even some modern, um, modern artists like Brad Paisley. Dude is legit. If you ever haven't heard, if none of you have heard of him, I would, I would argue, start with him in terms of modern country, just a really good, fun, honest approach to country music without a lot of the little pop glitz that I think a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah. And, and, and classic country, we've talked about this before, but classic country is amazing. Like you have artists like, you know, Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline and yeah. uh, oh. Willie Nelson, even Garth Brooks. And, um, you know, th- these are amazing, amazing artists and musicians. And I, I, I think what most people tend to have an issue with, which I did when I was younger, too, is is pop country and radio country. Um, and it's just maybe it's the fact that we're not we're not out there living the country life like a lot of people are so maybe we're just too disconnected from that experience so culturally like we just can't relate to you know the the tractor lyrics and the on, you know on the farm yeah, and on the no, but that's, like, a, that's a huge swath of at least americana you know like everyone in between the coasts like can really can really relate to that and it's that reminds me i um last year my my wife and i took the kids to lake tahoe and we drove from utah through u.s highway 50 have you ever been on this road chris uh, not, you know, I've been on the 50 in California, but not the, probably the stretch you're okay, talking about. Yeah. The stretch through Nevada is called the loneliest road in America and it lives up to its name. Like there are parts where you go, I think close to 200 miles, 180 miles without seeing a gas station or nothing. So, I mean, it's kind of intimidating in, you know, in our always connected world. So we drove that and there, there is one radio station and it's country and I was sick of my playlist that I had on my phone. So I was like, ah, well, let's just see what, what we got. And me and my wife had so much fun listening to a lot of this recent country. I'm going to try to look up some of the songs. I, I mean, I even went, out, went back and added some to my playlist, my library, after we got off this trip. But yeah, it, it was fun. And I, you're right. It, it, it depends on where you come from. And that's, that's why I would agree. Country obviously speaks to a huge swath of people. And it's commercially appealing to a large swath of people for those very honest, down-to-earth reasons that a lot of people in urban areas um, just 
won't couldn't even relate to or wouldn't even begin to relate to so yeah and you're uh, starting to see those country artists like slip into the pop realm right like taylor swift is another you know we talked about her already but there's an example like she was what most people call like pop country and now you know i i i'm uh admittedly um and maybe embarrassingly but i'm a huge just appreciator of uh radio pop like good radio pop um and I think so. What I find in like her 1989 album was just a great throwback to like what made 80s music and 80s pop so good, um, and 80s and 90s pop. And um, you know, most people would think like, oh, this is just formulaic. But the reality is that she's got she's got that connection, and maybe like she's she's a good example of the art of an artist that bridges the gap, like country and pop. And I think few artists can do it in the way that she did it. Like there are pop country artists, like you know, there's like what the, the trend that Garth Brooks started. Um, but not in the way she's done it. She's gone yeah. further to the other side where it's like, Hey man, I'm listening to a Taylor Swift album and I'm appreciating it because I can buy, I, I believe in it. Such a good album. Chris Wilson's giving me the, the, the cut it. We're, we're, we're going slightly overboard. So I wanted to quickly end on why you should listen to the commercial appeal. And this is kind of the, the, the statements, the MOs the, that I certainly came up with. I think Chris would agree, at least on most points. You should listen to this podcast because you actively seek out great new music. You want to catalog the best that music has offered or ever will offer or has offered in the past. You want to discuss your favorite artists. And we're going to be doing a lot of that here on this show. Um, you want to understand what makes pop popular and because you're cool like that. For any of those reasons, if that describes you, we hope you will join us on this journey. If you'd like to support this podcast, please do so at patreon.com forward slash commercial appeal. There you can donate. We welcome any donations you have to help cover the cost of production or podcast hosting. You can also email us. That's music at blakesnow.com or find us on Twitter. I'm at Blake Snow. Chris is at Chris Morell. That's M-O-R-E-L-L. Please tweet us using hashtag CA podcast and we'll do the best we can to reply and incorporate your feedback on an upcoming show. For Chris, I'm Blake. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next week as we discuss sophomore slumps, songwriter errors, and grading the overall state of modern pop. Until then, we hope you join us next time for the Commercial Appeal.